Hebrews chapter 11. We were there last week, so most of you can find your way back there. Let's come toward the back part of your Bible. Hebrews chapter 11. We'll start in verse 32. And we'll read all of the rest of chapter 11, all the way into chapter 12. About 10 verses today. We'll cover a little bit of ground. We've kind of been in Hebrews the last couple of weeks. We, we ended up in Hebrews a couple of weeks ago. We started in Exodus, but we was having such a good time, we made it to Hebrews. We kind of set up camp there. And then last week, uh, we were talking about faith and some heroes of faith, uh, some people that we see in the Old Testament that the author of Hebrews was pointing out as men and women that had great faith. Now, they also had some great failures. We talked about that just because their name's in here doesn't mean that they're, they're, they're not being celebrated for their failures. They're being celebrated for their faith. And so we looked at some, we looked at some different people uh, in Hebrews chapter 11 last week. And we're just going to continue on. We're actually going to look at the verses that we looked at last week. And we're going to continue on a little further into verse 12 to kind of get the context of what the author of Hebrews was talking about, to get the idea of the direction that the author of Hebrews was trying to point his audience to. Now, the, the people of Hebrews, were the, the real danger for them, and I've probably said this before, but I'll refresh your, your memory. The real danger with Hebrews, that the people, the audience that were facing, is they were wanting to go back to their old ways. They were wanting to go back to the Old Testament law. They were wanting to go back to the old sacrificial system and they were, not, they were not focusing on Jesus, and they were not uh, seeking Jesus. They were seeking to be justified by the old ways. Now, Jesus is a new way. He's a better way. He's the new covenant. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago in Hebrews, and, and that's kind of the context of the book of Hebrews. Throughout the book, uh, the author is trying to point the people to Jesus Christ. From the old system, from the old covenant, from the old law, to the new freedom that is in Christ. And so this whole section uh, about people of faith that he's talking about is for a reason. He's using these old examples uh, to, to call the people of, of, of this day, the ones that the book is written to, to endurance. Because there was much suffering that was taking place for those who were followers of Jesus Christ. Much like it is today. As Ecclesiastes says, my favorite verse to quote quite often is there's nothing new under the sun. We look and we say things are worse now than they have ever been. And some of you may think that and you may be right. I do not think that. I think things have always been just as bad because if you look through Scripture, things have always been horrible. There have been horrible wars. There have been evil people. There have been atrocities that have taken place. There have been innocent people killed. There have been babies that have been slaughtered. That has taken place from Genesis, and it is still taking place now. Now, uh, the, 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 the surroundings have changed. Maybe the technologies have changed. Maybe that we hear about things in an instant now. That has changed, but people have not changed. Right. It may be easier in some sense right. for people to do evil things, uh, but that never hindered people in the past. While it may have taken longer to slaughter more people, uh, or, or it may have been a little more difficult because of the weaponry, uh, that never stopped anybody in the past. There have been diseases, there have been famines, there have been earthquakes, there have been evil people, and it's always been that way. And it is going to be that way until Jesus Christ returns. 
And so we see these things take place in our world today, and we know that these things are going to take place because the Bible says that these things are going to take place. So it is our job as Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ, to always be ready because we don't know when the day or the hour is going to be that Jesus Christ returns. It is our, it is our call, it is our duty, it is our job obligation, it is our service as a follower of Christ to be ready to stand in faith, to be ready to endure whatever may come our way, to not throw aside our hope in Jesus Christ and put our hope in something else. Now, perhaps even for some Christians today, uh, there's, there's a tendency to want to uh, put our hope in the old covenant, in the old system, in the old laws. And that was the problem with the people that were being addressed here. Maybe for us it's not that problem uh, so much, although it could be, and for many I believe it is. Uh, but, but, but we may be drawn away from Christ for other reasons, because of our materialistic desires, because of uh, whatever it may be. Our desire to do this, that, and the other that are sinful things in the eyes of the Lord. Um, perhaps suffering that we're going through. We think God doesn't hear us or God doesn't care about us. There may be many reasons why someone would be tempted to say, I'm not going to accept Jesus Christ or I'm going to turn from Jesus Christ. I no longer want to follow Jesus Christ anymore. And so the author of Hebrews is, is addressing that very topic. He's addressing that very issue don't, don't give up your faith in Christ because your faith in Christ is all that's going to save you. Don't put your faith in anything else. Don't take your faith from Christ, but endure in your sufferings because as Christians, that's what we are going to have to do. That's what we are called to do. And so the author of Hebrews says, look, you're going through hard times. Don't give up on what you believe. Just because you're suffering doesn't mean that, that, that Jesus Christ is not victorious. Indeed, he is. And there's coming a day when you will see that victory. So we'll pray and then we'll jump in. Father God, we come to you this morning. We thank you for this, this word that we have today and I pray that you would help us to understand your word, that you would speak to us through your word, dear Lord God. And I pray that you just would help me to preach and teach in a way that's going to be beneficial to these people and to myself uh, and that's going to bring glory to you, God. Let us put our faith and trust in you. I, I pray that you keep us free of distractions, dear Lord, that we would... Uh, we'll, give you our full attention this morning in these few minutes, and I pray that the Holy Spirit will work in the hearts of the people, dear Lord, that your word would do the work. God, not my words. My words don't have any power, dear Lord, but I pray that you help me to accurately preach and teach your word, dear Lord. And if nobody else hears a word I say, God, I pray that they look at your words and that they read them, God, and that, that your Holy Spirit does a work in them. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32. <clears throat> And what more can I say? The time is too short for me to tell you about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets. Now, what he's saying here, I'll give you a little recap. I know we just talked about this last week. Some of you may have forgotten or may not have been here, and that's okay. Uh, and he says, and what more can I say? He's saying, and what more can I say? Because what he has been saying in the verses before, he's been talking about people in what we call the Old Testament, people that we read about in stories in the early part of the Bible, uh, people of faith, people that took a stand for God, people that had faith in God. And so he had listed a few people and kind of given some detail about their situations, explaining how they had faith in God, and now he's summing up at the end, and he says, look, I don't even have time to talk about all these people, so what more can I say for all the rest of these that he just named in this list? Verse 33 
who by faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the raging of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, gained strength after being weak, became mighty in battle, and put foreign armies to flight. Now, we kind of read that last week as we talked about some of these people. In particular, we kind of kind of picked out Samson and talked about him a little bit. And, and we talked about some of these things. Anyway, the author of Hebrews gives us an example of just a few things that took place. He doesn't go into great detail about these events, but some of them uh, may sound familiar to us. They may be things that we're familiar of or, or stories may come to mind of those who experienced such things. And then he says in verse 35, this is all new, we had not read this yet. Uh, women received their dead. They were raised to life again. Some were tortured, not accepting release, so that they might gain a better resurrection. Now he's shifting gears here. He's talked about those heroes of faith in the past and what they had to endure, and now he's shifting gears saying all of these things took place. So of all of these people that we look back on in the past, these are the types of sufferings that they had to experience. Now, these are some pretty horrendous things that he's talking about here. This is, this is, again, we talk about there's nothing new under the sun. We see Christians today being tortured, being killed, and it's a horrible thing. But here we have a list of people that, that, that suffered horrible things, even way back in the Old Testament. That's when these events occurred. Some of these events we may have scriptures to tie us to. Uh, some of them we don't, we don't really know exactly who these things happened to, but obviously they happened because the author of Hebrews is talking about them here. All right, let's, let's read 35 again and go far. Women received their dead, and they were raised to life again. Some men were tortured, not accepting release, so that they might gain a better resurrection. Others experienced mockings and scourgings as well as bonds and imprisonment. Now, that's similar to what we see people experiencing in the New Testament too, right? We see imprisonments. We see those uh, who, who, who didn't get released from prison. Paul comes to mind. He was constantly in prison. Now, if he, would have, if he would have said, look, you know what? It ain't worth it. I'm no longer going to be a follower of Christ. I'm not a believer of Jesus Christ. If he would have stopped doing the work and he would have, he would have said, no more am I going to stand for Jesus, he could have been let out of prison. He could have been released from prison and gone on and lived the rest of his life. But he was one of those who chose, instead of being released from prison, instead of uh, renouncing faith in the Lord, instead of uh, denouncing or renouncing, I don't know what the word is there, faith in Jesus Christ, he chose to suffer. He said, I would rather be a follower of Christ in prison than be one who rejects Jesus Christ and be in the world. And so that's a pretty powerful statement, right? That's somebody who's putting his money where his mouth is. That's somebody saying, look, God is most important to me. My own body is not important to me. My own fleshly desires and comforts are not as important to me as serving the Lord. Now, that's heavy stuff. Now, that's what God calls all of us to. Now, some of us may be there today. We may be spiritually mature enough where, where we are willing to suffer. Uh, but, but I'm still on that process. I want to. In my heart, I want to. But golly, there are times where it's really tough, right? Because there are situations maybe that God calls us to that may be just a little out of our comfort zone, that may make us suffer just a little bit. And sometimes, sometimes we don't do what God calls us to. We kind of let our fears and our worries about, about the situation we're going into or what God's calling us to, we may just kind of say, golly, I just I can't do it. 
Our faith may not quite be what it needs to be. We may not trust in the Lord enough. We may just not want to get uncomfortable. We may care more about our own comfort and our own needs than we do about serving the Lord's. And that sounds pretty harsh. But I think that it's a process as we grow in the Lord. He helps us to mature. Our faith gets stronger. And I would venture to say that everybody that's walked with the Lord has probably missed some opportunities because they just didn't have the faith to, to quite follow through with it. Uh, and, and there are some things that God is not calling us to. There are some things that God calls some Christians to that He doesn't uh, call other Christians to. It may be that God doesn't ever call you to be a missionary, let's say, in a foreign country where your life may be on the line or where you may have to sleep with no air or with no heat on the ground. You barely have enough to eat. I mean, there are some Christians who are called to that. Now, just because you sit here today and say, oh, I can never do that. Well, it may not mean that your faith is not strong enough. It may just mean that God has not called you to that. What I'm saying is, is that we don't have to prove our faith by saying, oh, I want, I want to go and I want to suffer more so that I can prove myself to be a Christian. Uh, I don't think we have to look for suffering. I think we just have to do what God calls us to and know that sometimes it will involve suffering and sometimes it will not. I don't believe that, that suffering necessarily in and of itself uh, makes us a better Christian if we are doing it for the wrong motives. That is, if we're suffering just so we can come back and say, boy, I really suffer for the Lord, I'm super Christian. Well, if you weren't serving with a heart, it doesn't matter how much you suffer. That's just foolishness. That's not trusting the Lord our faith if you're doing it so you can brag on how much you suffer. The point being is that when we serve the Lord, there are going to be times where we do have to suffer and our faith is going to be tested. There are going to be times, like even some in this list that we looked at prior, who failed, whose faith was not what it should be, his, whose obedience was not what it should be, who in some circumstances faced some pretty, some pretty serious consequences, but they still loved the Lord. Ultimately, they still trusted in the Lord, even though they stumbled, their faith uh, remained strong at the end. Just because we stumble or just because we miss an opportunity that God calls us to doesn't mean that we're not a Christian. It doesn't mean that God doesn't love us anymore. It just means that we fail in that area. The good news is, is that God forgives us. It doesn't mean that it's okay that we fail. Hopefully as a Christian, none of us want to fail or sin. But the reality is, is no matter how much we don't want to, sometimes we do. It would be wonderful. I wish that I did not ever sin, but I do. And everybody does. Every one of us does. And, and it's a process. It's a journey. As God works in us, as God strengthens us, as God matures us, He helps us to be prepared. Maybe we learn from our failures as we are being refined like gold, that is. All the impurities come to the top when the heat gets turned up. Sometimes it's that way in our life. God has to turn up the heat on us a little bit. Uh, he allows us to be in certain situations or to go through, th through certain things. And sometimes our faith is strong in the Lord and we come out of that trusting Him more. Sometimes, sometimes <coughs> we fail in those areas, but we see our failures and it breaks our heart and we repent of our sinfulness and our disobedience. <coughs> As a result of that, our faith still grows. Uh, God is always looking to build us up for us to grow, for our faith to be strengthened. So that when we experience difficult times like these that we're talking about, that we will be able to stand firm and say, God, I'm going to stand with you. No matter what comes my way, I'm not going to turn my back on Jesus Christ. I'm not going to seek salvation in anything else because there is none. I'm in it for the long haul. 
My, my, my desire to be a servant and follower of Christ is greater than my desire for my own comforts. Now that hits pretty close to home because I don't like to be uncomfortable. I like to be comfortable. I like to have security. I like to have a little money in the bank. I don't like uh, having hard times. I don't like being in places where I'm in danger. Now, some of you might, but I don't. And so it really does cause me to have to pray a lot and seek the Lord and say, God, I'm not where I need to be. My faith's not strong enough. But God is faithful to get us through those situations. If He calls us to it, then He equips us to go through it. Let's read a little further. Verse 37. They were stoned. They were sawed in two. Can you imagine that? How, how horrendous and horrible that must be. I mean, these are people who, who loved the Lord so much that they were sawed in two because they were willing to take a stand for the Lord. That, that shows you that, that, boy, things have always been pretty bad in this world. Uh, as Christians, we are always going to be enemies of the world. It says, They died by the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, afflicted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. Isn't that, listen to that right there. The world is not worthy of those who are faithful followers of Jesus Christ. Now the world would say just the opposite of that. Many in the world would say Christians aren't worthy of the world. They would say we're a, we're a bunch of crazies. We're a bunch of lunatics. We, we believe in stuff that's not true, that's fake. We read all this crazy stuff in the Bible and they would look at us as lesser than. The world would look at Christians and say, it's the 21st century. You need to get on board with all the stuff that's going on. They would look as Christians as lesser than the rest of the people in the world. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that the world is not worthy of those who are faithful followers of the Lord. We have something so much greater. This is not all that God gives us. We are worthy through the blood of Jesus Christ, not of our own works. We are worthy of something greater than this world has to offer. The world is not worthy of those who are taking a stand for the Lord here in Hebrews. And I believe also for those of us too uh, who are reading these words who are in Christ, the world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and on mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. Now isn't that true? We see many times in God's Word that God's people are in danger. We see that in the Old Testament. We see that in the New Testament. We see constantly, well, I won't say constantly, but we see pretty regularly uh, occasions where God's people are having to hide, where they are in danger, where they are in prison. And so again, there's nothing new under the sun. The author of Hebrews is setting the tone here, saying, look, to be a faithful follower of God is not easy. Now that's opposite of what some preachers in the world today would preach. There would be some who would preach just the opposite, that following God is, is, is easy and everything is going to be wonderful and perfect when you're a follower of God. But I don't believe that the Bible teaches that. Now, I encourage you, please read for, the, read for yourself. Read the Bible and pray, and you let the Holy Spirit lead you in what you think God's Word says. But when I read the Bible, I see a lot of suffering. This is a good, a good chapter to explain that. That was the problem that was going on for the people here that were being written to. They were suffering greatly. And oftentimes when we suffer, that's when we are saying, okay, I'm not all in. I'm going to stop. I'm going to turn back. Taking this path, doing this thing, is too difficult for me. I'm willing to go this far, but I'm not going any further because the cost 
is too much. And, and in our estimation, we assume that the suffering is not worth the reward that's going to take place. And that's the problem with many people that we see in Scripture and here with the Hebrews. But the reward is worth the cost. It is worth the suffering for those who are followers of Jesus Christ. Therefore, we don't want to be those who turn back from the Lord, but we want to be those who stand strong in the Lord. Even if it means wandering in deserts or hiding in caves or being imprisoned. Although, Lord willing, hopefully it won't come to that in this country, but it would not surprise me in the least if it did come to that. Or perhaps, who knows? One thing I've learned is you never say, well, I'll never go to a country where that kind of stuff takes place. Well, be careful. You never know where God could send you. You may not even think you're prepared, but he may open a door and he may call you to a situation like that. But when he does, he will be with you through that process. Verse 39, all these were approved through their faith, but they did not receive what was promised. Now listen to that right there. All these people of the Old Testament, they were approved by their faith, but they hadn't received the promise yet. Why? Let's read a little further. Since God had provided something better for us so that they would not be made perfect without us. The writer of Hebrews is here saying, look, these people of the Old Testament that died, even though they were approved, God showed <coughs> approval to them because of their faith, they didn't receive what was promised because what was promised was coming through this generation. What he's saying there, the promise that was coming was Jesus Christ. They would not be fully made perfect. Uh, everything, uh, they wouldn't fully see the promise because they hadn't seen Jesus Christ. And the promise was coming through Jesus Christ, who when he died on the cross and when he was resurrected, uh, at that point he had victory over sin. He could give us forgiveness of sin. He could give us victory over death. He could save our souls from eternal punishment because of what Jesus did on the cross. Now, Jesus didn't come till hundreds of years, thousands of years, after some of these early Christians, if we can call them that, these early believers, I should say, these who had faith in the Lord, Jesus didn't come till later. And so they were perfected in Jesus Christ. They finally received the promise, so to speak, even though they didn't see Jesus in their time, they eventually were going to be saved by the same blood of Jesus that you and I are. Why? Because of their good works? Nope. Because they followed the law? Nope. Because Hebrews says the law was not good enough. Because of Jesus Christ. They were perfected because of Jesus Christ. They were saved because of their faith. The same thing that saved them is the same thing that saves us. Our faith in Jesus Christ. Therefore, so in light of all of these things, all of these who have suffered, all of these who have done good from the Lord, all of these who have stood firm in the Lord, the ones who have failed in the Lord but repented, uh, the ones who have, who have done all these miraculous things through the power of the Lord because they had faith in the Lord, therefore, looking back at all of these people, therefore, since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us. He says, therefore, since we have a, such a large cloud of witnesses, what he means there is all of those who have put their faith in Christ, who have gone before us, are those who are looking, looking, looking on us. 
as though they were, they were, they were observers in a stadium. Imagine, if you will, the Olympic Games where there are people in a stadium who are surrounding it. It's a bunch of onlookers and they're watching those who are running the race. Now those who are watching are not running the race. In the case of the scripture, they have already run the race with endurance. They have already finished the race. They are, are waiting. They are watching those of us who are running the race. He says, so therefore, look back at all of those who have endured, who have failed, who God has used, who have kept their faith in the Lord, and know that if they can suffer and they can endure and God can give them the promise and God is faithful to them because they are faithful to Him, so will God be faithful to you. Look at these examples and let that be your motivation as you run the race with endurance. That's kind of what this is. This, 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 this life that we're living, we see that illustration often in scriptures. It's referred to as a race. We are running the race with endurance. Now, we start the race when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, but the race doesn't end there. It's not like a, it's not like a, a one-step a one race, like, oh, I got to try, so the end of the race. No, once we receive Christ, the race continues on until we go to be with Christ. Now, along the way, you can imagine the old devil always throwing obstacles in our path. I don't know if anybody's ever played the game of Mario Kart before, but I would be glad to play with you. I love it. It's great. But if you're playing Mario Kart, everybody's got these little carts and they're driving around the track and you can get obstacles that you can throw behind you to make the people behind you wreck so that you can win the race. You want to keep them from, from finishing the race. So you get stuff like banana peels and, and oil slicks that you can throw back at them. You can throw turtle shells back at them and bombs and, and it'll mess them up and they'll slide all over the road. And all these obstacles are being thrown in their path so that they can't finish the race. Now, that's what the devil does for us, except not in quite a, as fun and as cute a way. The devil is always throwing obstacles in our path as we are trying to finish the race. Now, the obstacles that Satan throws in our path are much more difficult to avoid than, in, than a banana peel. The things that Satan throws in our path are our sins. That sin that, that weighs you down. And he says here, he says, uh, lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares now, all of these burdens and worries of the world and sin that we, uh, that we carry are, are a burden to us. It weighs us down. It would be like trying to run, uh, run a race wearing uh, lots of weights and chains and anything you can think of that's heavy. Just imagine wearing all of these things and trying to run a race with them. It would be a burden. It would be difficult. You would probably give up. And every time that we live in sin and we're disobedient to God, we're, we're adding more weight. And it makes it harder for us to run the race. It makes, it, it makes us want to get to a point that we want to give up. But Jesus Christ frees us from those sins. The author of Hebrews said, lay aside the sin that so easily ensnares. Now, I don't know what that sin is for you. You do. We all have those sins in our life. Maybe it's one big sin that you really struggle with. The golly, you want to beat it so bad. And you've tried to beat it for years, and sometimes you do good, but the devil, he's going to keep throwing it out in your path. And sometimes we can avoid that temptation. God gives us the ability, and sometimes we can, we can hurdle it. We can step to the side of it. We can avoid it, but other times we trip over. And, and that's tough. But God doesn't want us to give up when we trip over it. He doesn't want us to trip over it. 
But he's there with us to pick us up when we come to him and say, God, I've tripped, I've failed. Would you pick me up? Would you forgive me? And help me to have the strength not to do that anymore. And the devil's always throwing those things in our path. He's always trying to ensnare us. But therefore, since we've seen those in the past that the devil's tried to ensnare, since we've seen those in the past who have run the race, who have faced difficult times, and we've seen them finish the race, even though they failed, they stumbled, they got back up. Therefore, since we have all these examples, let us follow their example. Let us run our race with endurance. Let us avoid the obstacles that are in our way. And when we do stumble over them, let us call on the name of Jesus Christ for forgiveness so that we can run the race with endurance. Keeping, or excuse me, uh, with endurance, the race that lies before us. Verse 2. Now here's the key. If we're going to finish the race and run it with endurance that lies before us, how do we do that? Well, we don't do it on our own. We do it in this way. Verse 2. Keeping our eyes on Jesus. Now, if you're running the race and you're constantly looking at all the things around you, and you're always looking down, oh, this obstacle, this obstacle, I'm worried about this, oh, what's going on behind me? We're looking back at things in our past. If we're constantly looking down and around and behind us, oftentimes we quit looking at Jesus. If we're looking down, we can't be looking up. And when we look up and we focus on Jesus, boy, we can run that race a lot better. When we start looking at Jesus and stop focusing on the obstacles that are around us and the things in our past, when we say, look, Jesus, you have freed me from those things. When we focus on Jesus and say, hey, these things can't stop me. As long as I keep looking at you, Lord Jesus, as long as I keep seeking you, Lord Jesus, as long as I keep focusing and seeking and praying to you and serving you, Lord Jesus, these things can't bother me. They can't stop me because you are greater than all of these things. And when we keep our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, we can run the race with endurance. But when our eyes are on the worries of the world and our sinful desires, we can't run the race. We will stumble and we will fall and we will get weighted down, which is exactly what the devil wants us to do. But Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. Those of you who are carrying all of those things, like an animal would carry a yoke and be yoked together to pull a plow, to plow a field. Jesus says, my yoke is easy. My yoke is light. My yoke is not going to be a burden for you. The things of the world, the sins of the world, the desires that the devil puts out in front of you, they are going to weigh you down. But Jesus says, not what I put on you. What I put on you is going to be easy. It's going to be light. When you focus on me, when you look at me, you can run the race and you're not weighed down. You don't give up. You're not tired. You're full of energy. You're full of joy. You're full of peace. And that comes only from Jesus Christ. He goes on to say, keeping our eyes on Jesus Christ, or excuse me, on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that lay before him endured a cross and despised the shame and is set down at the right hand of God. The people of the Old Testament, they suffered for the Lord. The people of the New Testament, they suffered for the Lord. Even Jesus Christ Himself suffered. Even Jesus Christ Himself suffered. And if those who have come before us have suffered and God delivered them, if Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior has suffered and God has raised Him from the dead, then we can trust God. We can trust that God is true to His Word, that God is going to deliver, that God is going to be faithful to those who are faithful to Him. Jesus suffered. Jesus died on the cross. But now, He sits at the right hand of God. That is, He is victorious. 
He has beaten the suffering. He has beaten the sin. He has beaten the death. And Jesus Christ is at the right hand of God. He has finished it all. And He's waiting for the time uh, for Himself to come back when it will ultimately be finished. The question you have to answer is, what is your faith in? Are you like the Hebrew people here that are being written to? Who are, who are trying to put their faith in something else, who may be suffering, who may be uh, experiencing hard time, uh, or may one day in your life experience a hard time, are you willing to take a stand for Jesus, even if it means a little discomfort, even if it means a little suffering, even if it means a little imprisonment? Maybe we've stumbled. Maybe some of you are just feeling the guilt and the shame of some sin that you committed or some disobedience that you're living in. Well, you know what? God is good. He will forgive you of that. He doesn't want you to keep living in it, but He is faithful to forgive you of it. And we have victory through Jesus Christ as we run this race. And if you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you are running the race. The question you have to answer, are you running good? Some of you may have slowed to a crawl because of the sins and the burdens and the worries of the world. Some of you may be running strong. You may have your eyes on Jesus Christ and you may be running better than ever. Stay on guard. The devil's not going to give up until the race is finished, until you go home to be with the Lord or until Jesus Christ comes back for you. The race is going to continue on. Let us be those who start the race and let us be those who finish the race. If you not put your faith in Jesus Christ, you're not running the race. If you put your faith in Jesus Christ, run with endurance. Lay aside the sin that ensnares, keeping your eyes on Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you this morning. We thank you for this good word. And I pray that you help us to be those who run the race with endurance, dear Lord. I pray that you help us, God, if, if you call us to suffer, and sometimes we do, dear Lord, even, even here, and just because we're not, our life may not be on the line for you or we may not be in prison for you, dear Lord, sometimes we suffer for you. The devil always puts suffering in our path. Maybe it's losing a loved one or a hard situation we're going through. God, there's many things that we suffer through, and the devil would want us to doubt that you even care, that you're even listening, God. But you do care, and you are listening. And that's just one of those traps that the devil tries to throw in our path. So, God, I pray that you help us not to get tripped up. God, I pray that if there are any in this room that are not running the race, dear Lord, they've never put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. They don't know what they're running to. They don't have anything to put their eyes on, God, because all we can turn our eyes to is Jesus. I pray, God, that they would run the race that they would give up everything and say, look, God, I'm, I'm giving it to you. I want you to forgive me through the blood of Jesus. I want to lay down everything I have, and I want to give it all to you, dear Lord. I want to be your servant. I want to be obedient to you. And I'm going to lay my life down, and it's going to be yours, just like Jesus laid his life down for us, God. So we are to give our life and everything we have for you. So, God, I pray that if there are some that have not trusted Jesus and started the race, that today they would. God, if there are some that are just running the race well, I pray that you, you just, just encourage them, help them to be on guard. If there are some who have stumbled, dear Lord, and maybe they've, they've just not been obedient and they've not done what they should or they've been a little afraid or they've just been lazy or they just, they just hadn't, hadn't tried to, to, to get out of their sin, dear Lord, that today that they would refocus their eyes on Jesus, not on the things of the world, not on the sin, not on the burdens, but that you would help them to break free from those things, to run the race fast, dear Lord, without the burden, without the worry, and to run with endurance all of their life. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.